Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant, a certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. another edition of H2 Orthopedics. It's Mike here, your host, and today's topic is an Achilles tendon rupture. Uh, unfortunately, this is on my mind because recently uh, one of the, uh, my favorite athletes, uh, favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, suffered an injury uh, to his Achilles, and uh, I, I wish him the best because I love to see him play. I love the style of football he plays, and uh, I'm amazed with what he can do. He's been doing it for a long time, but I'm, I'm afraid this may be uh, a career-ending injury. I know it's a season-ending injury, but it may be career-ending. So uh, I wish him his, wish him the best in recovery and hope he gets back out there. But uh, he asks a lot of his body, and his body fought back. And there's going to be talk about the surfaces and the conditions and all that, and that's uh, that's beside the point. That's another topic another day, uh, another person actually to talk about that because uh, none of my business. But, um, yeah, unfortunately he got injured and, and will have to recover from a very major uh, injury uh, to get back to the level of uh, playing in the NFL. But Achilles tendon, that's the topic that we're going to talk about today. Uh, the Achilles, it's the big tendon in the back of your leg. So we'll talk about the normal anatomy uh, in a second, uh, injured anatomy, how we would work this up or evaluate it, and then uh, treatment options and recovery. So uh, the Achilles tendon, I think we all know where it is. Um, <clears throat> it's the biggest tendon in our body. Um, it's very, very strong, very thick, very powerful tendon. Um, typically by the time, um, we get into our thirties, forties, fifties, and it depends on your activity level, uh, certainly older than that, if you're active, uh, that tissue becomes a little stiffer. And I'll just say, there's probably a couple of reasons for that. The natural aging process. And also, uh, as we get older, we tend not to take care of our bodies as, uh, as well as we should with stretching and hydration and all those different things. So, uh, that's my take on it. I bet we, I bet we could make some improvements there if we just focused on it. Uh, but in between our thirties and fifties is the highest, uh, rupture rate of the Achilles tendon. Uh, and, uh, the age is actually getting, getting higher. So older, um, probably because, uh, we as uh, as individuals are staying more active. Again, we need to to address that with preventative medicine and uh, stretching, strengthening those type of things, balancing out our diet and our hydration and all those uh, factors. But we are staying more active. And I'll just give a, a personal note. I'm just thinking about uh, a patient uh, from two years ago who called me. He has, actually is a client of my wife's. Uh, she cuts his hair. He's an awesome guy. He's in his seventies, and uh, he's a ski instructor. He called me and he said, Mike, I had a, a yard sale, man. I just went down, stuff was everywhere, um, and I I hurt myself. And he just drove himself home from the from the hill. Uh, he was free skiing, non-instructing at the time. Um, came home and called me. He lives down the block, so I went over and uh, did a little couch evaluation on him, and uh, very clearly he had torn his Achilles. And he was he was seventy or near seventy at that time, I guess. Um, so it can happen to happen to all of us. Happen to anybody. Um, again, the quarterback I'm talking about is age 39. Uh, so he's younger. He's in that window though, that 30 to 50 or potentially older window of injury. So, uh, the Achilles is a powerful tendon. Like I said before, it comes, it attaches to our heel bone 
what we would term the calcaneus. Uh, so what strikes the ground when you're walking that heel strike, that's your, you're hitting on your calcaneus. The Achilles is just to the backside of that, a uh, very thick, broad insertion, uh, of that tendon or a connection of that tendon. And then it goes upwards in forms into the calf muscles, the gastrocnemius muscles, and then they attach above the knee. So, uh, not only does the, the calf muscle push our, our foot down or kind of toe off or help us jump. Uh, but it also bends our knee. It also flexes the knee or helps the hamstrings flex the knee. So it has two functions. It crosses two joints. Um, but when the Achilles ruptures, you know it. So let's go back to uh, uh, let's go back to normal anatomy. So the calf, the gastroc muscles from the top are big. You know, they're not huge, but they're they're powerful uh, muscles. There's two of them. Uh, medial and lateral heads to the gastroc. Uh, they come down and form into a tendon, which is what connects a muscle to a bone. And I guess I should mention, there's also a, a deeper muscle called the soleus that shares this tendon, this Achilles tendon, or some people call it the cochineal tendon, uh, but that's deeper. And they all kind of blend together. So the two heads of the gastric up high just below the knee, what we would call our calf muscle. And then they kind of taper down and, and fairly quickly kind of, kind of you know, funnel into uh, the tendinous portion uh, what we would call the Achilles tendon, and then ultimately it attaches to or inserts on the uh, calcaneus or the heel bone. Um, the interesting part about this is uh, as we get closer to that calcaneus, uh, the tendon itself, the blood supply to that tendon becomes less and less. So we just, we lose some of the blood in there, which makes it a little more uh, susceptible to injury. So where it attaches to the calcaneus isn't so bad, and maybe say that first centimeter or so uh, is okay. But as we go from, say, a centimeter upwards to maybe six or seven centimeters above the calcaneus, there's this area of, uh, of devascularized or, or area of tissue that has less than adequate or less than ideal is probably the best word. Let's say less than ideal blood supply. So that's typically where it tears. That's typically where an Achilles tendon will rupture uh, in that watershed or that area uh, where the blood supply is less. So that's kind of the the area that we worry about. And typically uh, we'll see those injuries. You can have a muscle belly strain. Um, interestingly enough, it's usually on the medial head of the gastroc. So on the inside of the, the, those two balls that are up there over your calf muscles, uh, that the inside head of the gastroc is where it typically will strain. But that's in the muscle. That's, that's a better option. Typically muscle strains will heal on their own where muscle... Um, or tendinous injuries do not necessarily heal on their own if they're full thickness. If we uh, think about what a muscle and a tendon unit do, they connect this spring-like substance or the spring-like uh, structure of the muscle to the bone. And when it ruptures, when the tendon ruptures, uh, it typically pulls away from where it's supposed to be attached and creates a gap. And that gap needs to be bridged or shortened or repaired, uh, physically pull that gap closed. Uh, before that tendon will heal in an adequate functional position. So just a quick review, the two heads of the gastroc and that soleus deep to them come down, they converge into a tendon, uh, which eventually attaches to the calcaneus, the heel bone. Just above that connection point is that watershed area where the blood supply is less than ideal, and that's typically where the injuries will occur. If the injury occurs more up into the muscle belly of the gastroc itself, it typically will heal. If it occurs down in that tendon region and there's retraction, which typically happens because the muscle will still contract and pull that, uh, pull that torn tendon away from where it's supposed to attach, uh, then we have an issue that we need to address either with surgery or, or not, non-operatively, but uh, that's the problem. 
the common mechanism of injury or what we hear from, from patients who suffer an injury to their Achilles tendon is what we term forced dorsiflexion or getting my toe caught underneath and, you know, my heel pushed down to the ground or, you know, you're going up a step and suddenly you drop, you know, your heel drops below that step with extra force somehow. That's how you tear your Achilles. I've heard every story in the world. The most entertaining story, and I'll just share a little tidbit with you. It's actually funny. Um, the most interesting history I've ever heard uh, is in the textbooks, they're going to say the patient said they got kicked in the back of the calf. They got hit with a baseball bat. Well, this guy was on his honeymoon. Uh, they're on the beach. He's with his wife. They just were married, you know, leave town, get on the honeymoon. They're just hanging out on the beach. He's not a beach guy, he tells me, uh, but he grabbed a surfboard and he's going to impress his new wife. Um, so he's grabbing the board. You can imagine this. He picks it up. And he says, honey, watch me. I'm going to go, you know, catch some waves and be cool. He runs out towards the water, gets on, you know, on the, the, the wet sand and he gets a few steps into the water and he's watching other people and they get out there, I don't know, calf deep water with how far they go. I'm not a surfer, but, uh, and he kind of throws the board in front of him you know, still hanging onto it with his hands and jumps to land on the board to paddle out. Well, when he jumped, Ultimately, he tore his Achilles. He didn't know that. And he starts screaming and hollering and crying and just making a scene. He thought a shark had bit him and he's yelling, shark, shark, shark. There's a shark in the water. You got to get out of the water. And so everyone around him um, has no idea what's going on. They just see this guy kind of floundering around with a surfboard. So they evacuate. They're running. They're screaming. He created all sorts of chaos. And he looks down and he realizes there's no blood in the water. There's no, you know, cut on his leg. There's no injury. Uh, he had torn his Achilles, but he was convinced that he had been bitten by a shark. So side note there, um, sometimes we do have some fun listening to these stories. He was laughing at himself. His wife thought it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, his uh, impress, you know, trying to impress her with uh, being a, a macho surf dude did not go over well. Um, but they uh, uh, they have a good relationship. So uh, they, they both can, can laugh at it. Anyway, that's what the most patients will say. I got hit. I got kicked. Something happened because that muscle, when that tendon ruptures, that muscle just balls up and it, it hurts. It's a deep cramp. So you make it out of the ocean or off the ski hill or off the football field or whatever it is with your injury. How are we going to work this up? How will we evaluate whether you have an Achilles tendon rupture or not? And I'll just tell you, it's pretty simple. I guarantee you the athletic trainers and the, the orthopedic surgeon or the physicians on the sideline uh, kind of knew what was going on uh, at, the, at the football game. Um, if, you've, if you evaluate and you know what you're looking for, it's pretty simple. So um, let's say your scenario, you get to the doctor's office, you really don't know. You didn't have the benefit of seeing an athletic trainer or someone on the sidelines or someone at your you know, tennis match, wherever this happened. You'll go in, they will evaluate you, they'll ask you their questions, and you probably will tell them, yeah, a shark bit me, or I got hit with a bat, or whatever it might be. I have a lot of pain in the back of my calf. There's bruising and swelling, depending on the timeline, um, around that ankle. Uh, you, this is misdiagnosed a lot as an ankle sprain, so uh, be real specific with your, your history. Uh, oftentimes a full thickness rupture or a full rupture with retraction is pretty easy to see and you can definitely feel there's some swelling there. So the fluid kind of fills in those tissues. But if you palpate or push around, you can actually feel a gap between the two edges of the tendon. Um, so that's often all you need to do. Um, you can tell when patients walk in, they don't toe off. They don't have a normal gait pattern. They walk differently. And sometimes most of the time they rotate their foot outwards so they can avoid that toe off or that push off. 
If you ask them, can you stand up on your toes, you know, show me the non-injured leg, they go up on their toes, the injured leg, they cannot. They just don't have the ability to to hold their body weight because that tendon is ruptured. That link to that chain is gone. Oftentimes we'll have them lie on their belly on the table with their foot hanging off the edge. You go to the good side first, you squeeze your calf and just by shortening the muscle, kind of an artificial innervation type of scenario, we shorten the muscle, we squeeze the calf, the foot will move it. The toes will actually point down like you're standing on your toes. If we go to the injured side, we squeeze that calf, nothing happens. Again, that link is gone. That that link to that mechanical uh, chain has been uh, ruptured and no longer works. So that's pretty much the diagnosis. Um, Oftentimes we'll get x-rays just to make sure that we didn't pull off a piece of bone with the ruptured tendon. And if we're going to surgery, which is an option we'll talk about in a second, uh, oftentimes an MRI is ordered. So the surgeon has a good idea of what they're getting into and uh, is there anything unique going on in there? Um, oftentimes it's interesting that insurance companies uh, require that we actually get that next study before they'll authorize the surgery. Not always, but um, it's not unusual to hear that. So we'll get the MRI to confirm what we sus- have a high suspicion of. So let's just take that you have your diagnosis now. So uh, depending on you know the, the workup, you may have x-rays, you may have MRI, you may not. Uh, but the, they're convinced that you have a torn Achilles tendon. At this point, uh, the options really are not as clear as we'd hope they be. Uh, we can treat this non-operatively, and there's a group of patients that do better with that, or we can treat this surgically. And again, there's another group of patients that typically fall into that category. There are medical issues that come into play, um, things that could lead to potential injury, but also factor into the treatment options. Uh, if you're an older patient and less active, um, if you're have chronic illnesses, say kidney disease or uh, diabetes, or uh, there's other other medical issues that lead to poor outcomes with healing, uh, then typically the non-operative option is what's um, recommended. So a non-operative option um, is to put you into a cast or an immobilization device of some sort uh, where you point your toes down. And in essence, you're bringing the two edges of that gap closer together, the tendon closer together to the Achilles. There's actually part of a tendon still there usually. Um, But trying to bring those two edges together as close as we can, and your body will heal that gap with with scar tissue or uh, an abnormal or a different type of collagen than the tendon itself. Uh, but it all oftentimes will be adequate. So initially your toes are pointed, you know, greatly. So it's like you're walking on your toes. They will probably have you non-weight bearing for a period of time. And then gradually, let's say two to four weeks after the initial uh, visit and starting of treatment, uh, they'll bring your foot into more of a flat position. And often once you're fully flat, 90 degree angle at your ankle, will let you start bearing some weight directly down on the foot, not likely not towing off or pushing off. So this immobilization and kind of transition from toes down to flat foot to, you know, allowing you to push off may take, you know, several weeks, six, eight weeks sometimes to allow the tendon to heal and then put some stress to it to show those tissues or those fibers of the tendon where you want them to heal. Um, The plus side of that, obviously you avoid surgery. So all the risks of surgery are not there. Um, The um, outcomes of of the conservative or non-operative treatment in certain populations, and the the information gets a little dicey and and hard to understand, but in a general sense, the non-operative options for the right patient have adequate or equal, close to equal outcomes for surgical intervention for that 
population. So you're not necessarily losing anything uh, by staying out of the operating room. It may take a little bit longer. You may have a little bit longer period of immobilization and a longer period of recovery. Um, but otherwise, uh, you're going to have a good outcome treated non-operatively. The potential downside of that non-operative option is, again, because that tissue is not completely normal collagen, the, the right type of collagen or, or um, healed tissue, if you will, um, the rate for re-rupture is higher in the non-operative group. So does that play in? Sure it does, but these typically are less active patients. Um, you, you certainly don't want to have a re-rupture, but uh, maybe it's not going to be as big of or significant of an issue uh, if it only partially heals um, versus a surgical repair, which has a higher chance of healing, but some other complications. So uh, plus side, really no surgery. Um, it'll heal. The outcomes are, are adequate or good, but you do have a higher risk for re-rupture moving forward. So if we have a non-operative option, obviously we have an operative option. So we can take you to the operating room. Uh, they'd make an incision depending on how far that tendon is retracted, but usually a couple inches up and down. Uh, it's a vertical incision. Typically, there's other ways to do this. I guess I shouldn't get too too detailed on the technique because that would be specific to your surgeon. Uh, but we can make an up and down or a vertical incision, uh, grab onto the tendon edge, <clears throat> and uh, you're laying on your stomach in the operating room. Pull that tendon down to the calcaneus or to the insertion point uh, or usually to the rest of the tendon that's still attached to the bone of the calcaneus and repair the two edges together. Um, it's a big wad of suture. There's techniques and different ways to pass the suture uh, to give it support. Uh, but in the end, uh, those two edges of the tendon are uh, wrapped with suture and basically tied together. The post-operative recovery is very similar to the non-operative recovery with that foot being uh, placed into a toes down position usually, and then gradually bring it back up to a flat footed position. The surgeon can actually look at the tendon while they're uh, doing the surgery and see where uh, the stresses are so they can move the ankle and see where that tissue actually starts to have tension pulling it apart. And they'll likely base their uh, immobilization and positioning of the foot on that information. You can get intraoperatively or in the operating room. Uh, but again, you pull those two edges together, you sew it together with a bunch of suture that's very strong. And um, the goal is to bring them together so they can heal together. Every time you go to the operating room, there's a risk profile that we need to uh, consider. So again, the uh, less than healthy patient uh, maybe uh, would be given the recommendation of, hey, let's treat this non-operatively. Um, the number one risk factor for a failed or a complication post-operatively uh, is uh, wound healing. So that's, that's where patients go wrong or the surgery goes wrong. Patients just don't heal that wound very well. Uh, it is definitely influenced by smoking or nicotine intake. Uh, so decreasing or eliminating smoking is a huge plus and will uh, likely move the needle in a positive direction for the things to heal. Um, steroid use, um, you know, autoimmune issues, healing issues in general, diabetes, uh, lots of different uh, medical factors can come into play that can have a negative impact on healing of the, of the skin and the tendon itself. Um, but so those are the pros and the cons. So it, you'd have to talk with your surgeon, review your medical history, review your expectations of the procedure. Uh, both are good options. Uh, they both have pros. They both have cons. Uh, you just have to weigh them out uh, regarding you specifically. And that's, again, that's why we do these talks. So you have a general idea of what the options are and 
which direction maybe you would want to uh, lean towards in uh, requesting a, a, a treatment option. The bottom line is once things are, are fixed or either have healed or fixed, uh, getting back to a slow progressive exercise program uh, to give that tendon some adequate stress. So um, correct amount of stress at the correct time will lead to a positive outcome. So listening and following physical therapy to AT is key on this one. Um, I have seen tendons get stretched out that have healed adequately, uh, but patients go back to too much activity, too much stress to that tendon too soon. And now that tendon, not only it healed fine, but now it's stretched out, it's too long and they lose some power uh, that they have to come back and try to regain, but it's, it's quite difficult. So following the recommendation of the physical therapist and the recovery protocol, getting into a low stress or low impact exercise program. Uh, maybe it's bicycling, maybe it's swimming, and then transitioning to say walking in the water or, uh, you know, walking before you go running or hiking. Uh, those type of things are, are definitely in your best interest moving forward as far as recovery, surgical or non-operative. Uh, the timing may be different, but the, the concepts are the same. So that is the Achilles rupture. It was fairly quick overview. Uh, but again, it's on my mind from the the recent uh, quarterback that went down and then, you know, different stories popped into my mind as we go along. Um, but hopefully that makes some sense to you. If you have an Achilles rupture, it's a fairly significant uh, issue. Uh, a lot of patients will have Achilles tendonitis or tendinopathy leading up to a rupture. So if you have symptoms of discomfort or pain, but that tendon isn't ruptured, don't ignore it. Uh, go see someone. Likely physical therapy will help you. Uh, I would encourage, unless it's your last resort, to stay away from a steroid injection. Uh, but this is an option for many uh, that will that certainly help if, uh, if done in the right scenario. Uh, and uh, you'll get some good exercise uh, directed by a physical therapist so you can improve the tendinopathy so it doesn't go on to a full rupture. Uh, the question that we get often is, would biologics like PRP or stem cells help this? And this is one area where I think there's uh, not necessarily the rupture. It won't, it won't bring that tendon back and, and mend that gap that we talked about. But for those tendinopathies or potentially using the biologics at the time of surgery um, could could definitely help. It seems like literature is starting to lean that way in this one specific injury. Uh, again, much more to learn, but uh, certainly something to consider if you're in that uh, gray zone of it's not torn, but it's not healthy either. Uh, something to consider uh, in conjunction with your physical therapy exercises and using your body appropriately. So there's the Achilles tendon. Uh, we talked about rupture more than anything else. We maybe we'll come back and do another talk on on how foot mechanics and body mechanics can lead to these tendinopathies that ultimately could potentially rupture. That's another day, another topic, another podcast. So I hope that makes sense to you. Um, we'll talk again. Until then, do your best to stay active, stay healthy, and put a smile on someone else's face. Hey, it's Mike here. I hope this episode is helping you out and answering some questions. If I'm not hitting every topic right on for you, if there's something specific that you have about your injury or you want to discuss unique findings on the exam or your history, your MRI, your x-rays, whatever it might be, head to our website at h2orthopedics.com and scroll to the bottom for an opportunity to sign up for a virtual visit where we can either have a Zoom call, we can do a telephone call, whatever it might be, and we can discuss the specifics of your injury in more detail and hopefully get the answers you're looking for. 
Again, that's h2orthopedics.com. Scroll to the bottom for the virtual visit, and I will talk to you next time.